Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman, and I've got a guest with me tonight. Uh, I don't remember if I talked about this last week. I think I did. Uh, but our good friend Jamie Cheek from the View from the Couch podcast is here. And, and Jamie, has, has your heart rate slowed back down? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. You experienced something that, that I really haven't experienced yet. Uh, with these playoffs, you know, I've I've experienced close championship games, but the close semifinal is 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 something. It, I, it the the entire day was something. I mean, it really was, and uh, you know, it 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 just about lasted all night. Yeah, I mean, to go from I think the startling thing was to go from a month of just like relatively meaningless games, and I'm including Clemson's game in that. It's Orange Bowl. It's great. Wanted to win, but like. It's an exhibition. Sure. And and for your team to not have a game in, in almost a month and then to have that for three and a half hours. Well, yeah, and I think the, the, the hardest part of it for, you know, for myself and I would imagine for other Georgia fans, and, you know, it kind of leaves you wondering what the team is. I mean, you go through the entire season. Everything's great, you know. I mean, you have a couple of little hiccups here and there, but I mean, for the most part, Georgia really played well all season. You, you kind of have an idea of who the team is, and you're glad to win, obviously. But you get to the end of that game, and you're like, "Did we just give up 41 points? Like, are we supposed to be giving up 41 points? I don't feel like that's something we're supposed to do. Uh, definitely not give up 41 points and win. So um, it it it's weird. It's, it's a weird feeling. Um, you know, we had that Rose bowl a few years ago, but I mean, this is the first playoff that hasn't had that big Alabama monster waiting for us. Right. And so right. it's, it's kind of a, a strange feeling, I think for Georgia fans. Um, yeah. And it's probably difficult to realize as well that you're the Alabama monster. Now. I, I, I I have tried to have that conversation <laughs> with some people to recognize because, you know, a lot of Georgia fans are really upset that this many days later, uh, Ohio State people are still all over Twitter just complaining, accusing Georgia of being cheaters. And, you know, we, we were headhunting and we purposefully hurt Marvin Harrison, um, you know, that the, the, the refs were for us. And, and reading all that stuff, I was like, wait a minute, they talking about us? We're that? Ugh. Yeah, have, we we have become what we hated so much. <laughs> and, and I mean, Clemson, two-time national sure. champions. We never got that experience because the big the big bad was always there. You guys right. were the y'all beat Alabama, and if Alabama was waiting for us Monday night, that the whole nation would be behind Georgia again. Because right. even going back to back, it's still not like number eight or whatever it would be for them. Well, you've got little old Stetson as your quarterback. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's a pitiful little. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's a walk on, you know, barely knows how to tie his shoes. Right. <laughs> apparently, apparently. And, you know, and, and one thing about, you know, Saturday night and I, I really enjoy Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler, but, um, I've never felt more, uh, ignored as a Georgia fan in a game. I mean, it felt like when Ohio State would score a touchdown, it was like, oh, Ohio State scores a touchdown. Georgia would score a touchdown and be like, Ohio State gave up a touchdown. It's like, yeah. we, we are, we're here too. And I, I can't even imagine trying to be, a, you know, you know that Kirk Street's a fan of Ohio State. And he was never necessarily biased, but you could just, you could hear 
how excited that he was that they were playing so well, you know, and, and that kind of, that was a weird feeling too, to be like, you know, we got to the end of the game and it was like, man, Stroud was like perfect and Stetson was trash. And it was like, or, or maybe not. (laughs) Right. Right. And I told somebody Stetson gave us the full gamut. Yeah. (laughs) Of who he is as a football player, because he did have the pass to, uh, the swing pass to uh, McConkey, where I was like, I, I, I feel like I could throw that pass better than he just did. Yep. Um, but then he had some passes. The one to Kyrus Jackson in the fourth quarter, down the middle of the field, that was just an absolute frozen rope over the middle of the field, over both lines of scrimmage. The exact throw that he's not supposed to be able to make. Right. Um, even. Elite quarterbacks his size aren't supposed to be able to make that throw. Bryce Young is supposed to be a, have to roll out of the pocket to make that throw. And Stetson stood in there like a six-foot, five-inch, you know, Leviathan and, and ripped it down the field. And I went, who am I watching right now? Yeah, who? It, it's been like that a couple times this season. Never that, never that, right? Like that was the, the definitely the pinnacle of it. But there has been times where he's really kind of pushed back against – the perception that you have of him because every single game is that he, that little picture of him finding out he was going to the Georgia game. We're going to the Georgia game. And he's like four and all that. And it's cute as all get out, but it's like, because that's what they always do. It's kind of like Bo Nix at Auburn. Did you know his dad played at Auburn? Um, I've, I've heard it a few times. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that, right. It just becomes the, the, the story that the national guys like to tell on the broadcast because it's a good story to tell, but I think we've got that story now. Like, I don't know if don't... you know this, but Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford went to the same high school. I don't know if you, <laughs> I feel like I heard that a, about a thousand times during uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think too with Stetson, and this is something that you and I have both talked about because it's something that you and I both agree on. If you, if you guys don't, if, if you've never listened to me and you've never listened to, uh, you've never followed my words and gone and listened to Jamie's podcast, we're in agreement on the playoffs. Hmm. And, and one thing that I think this past weekend has kind of shown us is, you know, Ohio State is a team that if Southern Cal beats Utah in the Pac 12 title game, uh, Ohio State's not in the playoffs. And nobody outside of Columbus, Ohio, is really upset about that. Yep. And even the folk, even Ohio State fans would have been like, yeah, I get it. You know, yeah. I mean, it, they might have uh, balked that TCU got in over them. But uh, it, that's not a team we would have been clamoring to let in. And yet, they were one superhero play by uh, Brock Bowers. Yeah. One, oh. <laughs> one timeout from Kirby Smart. You know, one, one, one very small thing away from being in the national championship. And you know, it, it it's something that, and I know you've talked about it on your show, but and we've talked about it just together. But you know, everybody thinks that it's going to devalue the regular season. I think you've done a really good job of explaining why that's not the case. The other piece of this is Ohio State got a second chance, and they were different on Saturday night than they had been when they played Michigan. They had a different mentality. They had a different game plan. They got better. They came in and they executed what they wanted to do. And when you're dealing with these 18 to, you know, in Setson case, (laughs) 30-year-olds, you you have to recognize that, like, they also know when they're out of the playoff, right? So, like, if you've got a two-loss team in the Big Ten that's playing in November like Penn State, they've lost the two games that matter on their schedule – 
well, maybe they don't look great playing Indiana, but they also know that every goal that they had going into this season is now off the table. And that is going to psychologically affect the way they practice and the way they prepare and the way they play. So when more teams are bought in and still have something to play for, I think we're going to get more games that are interesting. But I also think I completely disagree with the idea that somebody six, seven, eight, nine, ten could win the national championship. I absolutely believe that will happen Um, because I I think you're going to get a team like Ohio State that gets in, gets hot and figures it out. Well, we're, we're almost bookending the playoff, the, the 14 playoff, with what we had in a similar Ohio State team in 2014. Right. Nobody would have been upset if there was a two-team playoff. Nobody would have been saying, well, you know who really should have been in this game? Ohio State. Nobody would have been saying that. And yet they got in and they won and they looked like the best team. And, and, if, and if Ohio State had beaten Georgia, if that field goal had gone through the uprights, they would have been 12-point favorites over TCU just like Georgia is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and justifiably so because that was a team that, you know, even in their games that they won, they didn't play that efficient offensively when they played Penn State. Obviously, they didn't play that well when they played Michigan. But that, that marquee game at the beginning of the season when they played Notre Dame, that was not the offense that we saw. You know, they were their best version in the biggest game of the year. And, you know, I, as a Georgia fan, am very glad that they lost. But separating myself from that a little bit, it it stinks for those kids that they lost that game because they played so good. They played so good. They did. And the other thing that I want to take away from particularly looking at somebody like Stetson Bennett, before we start talking, spinning it forward and start talking about the national championship game is he's – only a unique story because colleges have allowed him to be a unique story. Hmm. How many other Stetson Bennett's have there been? To make it personal, was Tyson Pomachonk that same guy for Clemson? If they had just let him be the quarterback last year when things weren't going well with DJ, I'm not saying they win the national title last year, but is he a guy? that could have been like this, that just has it. Yeah. Um, but so many of these elite colleges aren't willing to let that guy be the quarterback. They've got to have a five-star. They've got to have a, you know, a, a guy with a howitzer for an arm that can run like a deer. They've got to have their Caleb Williams. They've got to have well, – what? how many other guys are out there that are sitting third or fourth on the depth chart that could do what Stetson Bennett is doing? But they just don't get the chance. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's because, you know, college coaches, I mean, all coaches, they're risk-averse, right? Like, they don't – they if you lose a game with a five-star quarterback, nobody's going to look at the coach and go, what are you doing? It's like, hey, man, I did everything I could. I got the guys. The guys lost. You know what I mean? Like, it – you know, Kirby's really approached Georgia as like, hey, we got to go get talent. We're in the talent acquisition business, right? And so he goes out and he gets all of these guys and – He's been very honest about the fact that, like, Stetson and Stetson's teammates are the ones that had made him get this opportunity because they were trying to bring people in over him constantly. And it was only last year when the the team made it clear that they wanted to stick with Stetson that he actually, you know, got to stop looking over his shoulder. And then he started earning the job. 
But even, you know, the early part of last season, he was still pressing, you know, and he doesn't have as much just raw talent as a guy like C.J. Stroud or Caleb Williams. But what he does have is, is you know, the immeasurable, right? Like he's got that thing that winners have. And unfortunately for him, he's not 6'5", or else he probably would have been a five-star. But at the same time, if he's 6'5", I don't know that he has that gene. I mean, you know, we all, as, as, as men, you grow up your whole life, you know little guys. <laughs> you know little guy syndrome, right? And little guys have – they got some spunk. Jeremy, you don't know anything about this because you're like 11 feet tall. But, like, there's there's little guys that will fight you. And Stetson has that. He's He's got some dog in him. And he doesn't get pushed around. And I know other fan bases feel like it's cocky. And I'm sure if I was – Watching him on another team, I would feel like it's cocky too, but uh, that's just who he is. And, and, it, and it works so well. So to spin it forward, it kind of feels to me like, you know, when I looked at this playoff field, Georgia got no favors. It just, it just who was going to be the number four? Because I felt like Southern Cal was going to be the number four, and I didn't particularly like that for Georgia. Right. Because they've got similar offense to Ohio State, and they've got that weird defense that they give up a bajillion yards a game. They give up a lot of points, but they also know how to pick guys off, and that's another thing about Stetson that, that he doesn't mind throwing a pick every once in a while. Um, he's he's never met triple coverage that he wouldn't think about. Hey, I bet I get that ball in there. Uh, <laughs> that's that little man syndrome, you, you know. know hey, it gives hey, and it hey, takes. <laughs> you let a tall man throw this pass, I'm gonna throw it too. And Kirby's going, no, I wouldn't want a tall man to throw that pass either. Um, and, and so, the, but then you get Ohio State, and it's like, oh boy, I don't know that the committee got it wrong, but that's not a great matchup for Georgia because they're the one offense in the field that I kind of felt like, yeah, they can score on anybody. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, as a Georgia fan, I, you know, I, I guess in my head, I wanted TCU until the TCU Michigan game started. And then I was like, I'm glad we got Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, because the thing about TCU, you know, just to spin it to that national championship game, they gave up, you know, half a hundred points, whatever they gave up. But in individual plays, I felt like watching the TCU defense, I was like, ooh, these boys are good. Now they're giving up points left and right. I don't know how that's happening. But individual plays from that defense made me think this – is a good de- – this is a defense that could cause problems. They've got a linebacker. I wish I could remember his name. I, I, I didn't even think about looking it up. Linebacker number 40 for set, 47 for them looks like they grabbed him out of a time machine from 1993. <laughs> they picked up him and James Skalski from Clemson and uh, Ben Bullware from Clemson. They put them all in a box and they just brought him up from 1993. I mean, he is the linebacker is looking linebacker I've ever seen. Well, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I, I, yes. Yes, I do. And I, I, I agree. I mean, watching especially their defense, they were fast. They were aggressive. You know, I think that aggressiveness probably cost them a little bit. But they're going – I mean, they're, they're a whole team of Stetsons, right? Like that's right. – they, they play all the way out. And if they give up a long touchdown pass, they just assume they're going to pick you off on the next play. <laughs> that's just the way – they seem to play defense, and it is extremely nerve-wracking for a Georgia fan to think like, hey, this is aggressive defense. They're going to come after us. Nobody's giving them, again, for a second straight game, nobody's giving them any chances. Um, 
I I am not comfortable. You know, like I said, coming into the playoff, I was like, man, I, we, we kind of got the short end here. We should be playing TCU because they're the least on paper talented team of the four, right? Yeah. Like everybody knew this was the four, but then it was just about ranking and it was all about three and four. And I was like, man, I feel like, I feel like we got the short end here. And lo and behold, we did because we had to play Ohio State. Now we got to play a TCU team that they're playing with house money. And it's number 57, Johnny Hodges. Of course, he's a Navy transfer. He just looks like a Navy transfer. <laughs> he looks like an entire Navy. I mean, the I mean, guy, I watched him play and I was like, don't even know if it's if he's any good. But if I had a football team, that's my linebacker. I mean, he's my middle linebacker. Johnny Hodges sounds like a guy from 1956. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a real mean dude. He's a real mean-looking fella. And and I watched him. I was like, yep, I don't know if he's any good, but I want him on my team. So, I I mean, I really, you know, the 13-and-a-half-point the spread, I think it's down to 12-and-a-half now. But, like, all of that, you know, Saban always talks about his rat poison, and that's exactly what it is because these guys just heard all of this last week. Michigan was going to dominate them on the line of scrimmage. They were going to run all over them. TCU was going to be able to handle the physicality of Michigan. I mean, there is no logical reason in this world, if you watch both of those games back-to-back like we did, how do you think Georgia is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU? Well, because I tell you what TCU got Michigan to do. I don't know what Michigan saw in the film, but they were right. From the minute the game started, I actually didn't – I actually missed time to shower and missed the first drive of the Georgia game. Um, It happens. You know, I, I, I thought I had it timed right, and I got in here, and they had already kicked off. But I watched from moment one of the Fiesta Bowl, and from moment one, they had TCU had Michigan playing like at some point in the last month, Michigan figured out that TCU was the better team. Mm. TCU, they figured out that TCU was the more talented team, and they had to do all kinds of wild stuff. They had to play like their hair was on fire. They had to play more aggressive. They had to steal points and steal plays and steal possessions because they couldn't beat TCU straight up. And then for 60 minutes, that's what we saw. I know it ended up being a close game, but for most of that game, TCU looked flat like the better team. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the mistakes that Michigan made, like, you know, they're – Anytime you you kind of look at something like that, the two pick sixes, the 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 driving inside the ten yard line twice and coming away with zero points, okay, you have to give TC TCU credit for capitalizing, right? Like every bad pass doesn't end up being a pick six, but TCU is good at that. They've got four on the season. They've got 16 interceptions as a defense this year. They're plus nine in turnover ratio. Georgia's minus two. They're they're not nearly as talented man for man. They're not nearly as disciplined man for man. But they make the big plays that change change games. And Stetson, as you've already said, he loves a triple coverage. I mean, he 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 will make throws that he doesn't need to make. And a lot of Georgia fans were upset that Kirby immediately after the game was like, he's got to play within our system. But that was a, a raw moment where Kirby realized like there were open checkdowns in the third quarter that he was not taking because he wanted to go out there and win the game in the third quarter. And he almost took Georgia out of position to be able to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And and what's also fascinating about this matchup is you've got Stetson Bennett West. Yes. You know, Max, Max Duggan is the same dude. 
you know, lost his starting job. Uh, we're going to hear that story if for however long you're watching pregame coverage next Monday. Seventy-five percent of that coverage is going to be talking about some version of Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett being the guys who aren't supposed to be here. They're unlikely Heisman finalists, and I'm fascinated by that matchup of just two guys who just won't quit. Well, Duggan is. I mean, it it sounds crazy. I mean, I watched pretty much all of the Texas game. I watched a lot of the second half of the Oklahoma State game when they came back. Um, I watched a lot of the Oklahoma game, and all those were wins, and they were dramatic and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I gained more respect in their loss when they lost to Kansas State. The way he played in that second half, he he by himself, I mean, not really by himself, but basically by himself, kept him in that game. And I believe that if Sonny Dykes wouldn't have taken the ball out of his hand, they would have won that game. Um, and I, he is something. And and that team, the way they came back all year, you know, if if Georgia's up ten in the second quarter, they're not going to blink. They're going to go, oh, okay, well we we better score on the next drive, you know. Um, but if have, not that, the next one will be okay. Sure, like they just they're not going to quit. They're not going to give up. And you know, Georgia obviously showed that same ability. You know, if if TCU comes out and punches them in the mouth the way that they did Michigan. Stetson throws an early interception or something like that happens. Georgia's not going to blink. I I think this is a four-quarter game. I wish it wouldn't be. Lord, I would just love it if Georgia won by four touchdowns and it was a nice, easy night. But that's not the way we do. (laughs) We we can't do it. (laughs) It's fun to win a national championship game that way. But I tell you, it's it's weird. It's a weird (laughs) feeling. You don't like it. I I don't know if I like that one any more than the the rest because you spend the whole game going, oh, this isn't going to be right. They're going to come back. Well, and we're, we're going to lose. We're going to have a 28 point lead and lose this, aren't we? That's that's what that's what's going to happen. Isn't it? <laughs> the perception coming in that Georgia should win is also new, right? Like, right. Even though they were the higher ranked team in the playoffs in 18, it was Alabama, right? And Georgia had barely come. There was that epic comeback against Oklahoma, so they were kind of lucky to be there. Um, and then last year, well, Alabama had already beat Georgia once, and obviously, it's very difficult to beat a team twice. So I, you know. People were picking Georgia to win. Not everybody, but there were there were folks doing that. I, anybody picking TCU? Like the, the the parents of the TCU players? Maybe. I mean, everybody's going to be on Georgia. Every, this is if if something happens and Georgia doesn't win this game, this is going to be one that people go. TCU didn't win the national championship. Georgia lost it, and that's a different situation for this team. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle that role. Like you said, they're they're on the cusp of being the big bad, right? Like yeah. the team that next year, if they're playing a close fourth quarter game, everybody's going to turn it over there and be like, oh, well, they finally lose. And, yeah. and be happy. It doesn't matter who the other team is. Just let me see somebody beat Georgia. They, they haven't been that. And it is a different situation. I think it's going to require a little bit of a different mentality. And you talked about it in your last episode. And it, it's – and it's a conversation you and I have had both on and off the air for years now. This progression of Kirby Smart, where he learned from Nick Saban. He learned the thing from Nick Saban that none of the others have. That sometimes you got to call Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Sometimes what worked to get you here isn't going to get you to the next level. Clemson, Dabo had to have that same moment when, like, 
yeah, what turned that program around was scoring 60 points a game and throwing the ball all over the yard. But he had to slow that down, and he had to he had to turn to the defense, and he had to turn to the lines, and he had to even silly things like, you know what, defer that 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 re- receiving that kickoff to the second half, defer that, don't take the first, <laughs> don't take it first every time, <laughs> and that's become a defining thing for Clemson is that right. they defer to the second half, they win, they score before half, they score after the half, it's a fourteen point swing b- between your possessions. That is something Clemson has made a part of their program that Dabo had to adapt to. Because initially, I don't know if you remember this, 2011, 2012, they took the ball every time they won the toss. So that every game, they got the ball first. Everybody else is deferring. They changed that at some point. And and they changed their identity, and that was a part of it. Georgia's done that same thing. Georgia has gone from, we're going to run, run, and then if we have to, we'll pass. We're going to run, run, and if we have to, we'll pass. And they've turned into a very versatile, a terrifyingly versatile offense. Well, and they fell back into that a little bit in that third quarter. And that's when I lost hope. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like, wait a minute, this is this is 2017 Auburn game at Auburn where you're just running on first and second down and then thinking that your quarterback's going to make a play on third down when the opposing defense can pin their ears back and come after you. So um, they, you know, obviously they figured it out. I think the – you know, the biggest thing that I'm nervous about in the game is the secondary for Georgia. Because, you know, after the SEC championship game, you know, I had a lot of the beat writers and, and, and people that follow the team saying, well, they had schemed for Jaden Daniels. They had a big lead. They weren't going to try to make a big adjustment. And basically they were going to keep playing the way they were playing. And if this backup comes in here and beats us or like, you know, throws for however many yards – we're fine. We'll just keep scoring. And that's what they did. And they won by 20 and it, you know, but the signs were there that these, this version of Georgia can't hold up to really good offenses as far in the secondary. And I could not believe that Georgia didn't get more pressure on CJ Stroud through the first three quarters on Saturday night. And it, it almost cost them. And The problem now moving to Duggan is he is an elite runner. I mean, Stroud was supposed to be a statue. He was supposed to be JT Daniels back there. Can't move, can't do anything. Obviously, he was semi-mobile and made, you know, a handful of plays outside of the pocket that he had not really made all year, and that was huge for them. Well, Max Duggan is an animal. Max Duggan is not running out of bounds. He's going to try to run people over. Um and it Georgia's going to have to figure out a way to get pressure on him, but also contain him. And that's not easy to do both because I do believe he's good enough. If they don't get pressure on him, he's good enough to make plays downfield on the secondary. He is, but I think what we'll find out, you brought up 2019 LSU in your last episode. And I think, you know, now we're starting to look back at 2019 LSU just a few years down the road and go, oh, God, they were good. You know, when yeah. we look and we see like, oh, Jamar Chase and Justin <laughs> Jefferson are the two best receivers in the, in the NFL. Stefan Diggs is in the conversation. But like if you said uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are the two best receivers in the NFL, you wouldn't get a huge pushback on that. No. 
No. If you said Joe Burrow, best quarterback in the NFL, Josh Allen, you know, there's, there's others, but like, hey, all right, you can have that. He's top five. Yeah, he's easy top five. <laughs> and they were all on the same offense like three years ago. Yeah. Uh, in, in college, playing against 18 year olds. Like, that's not fair. We're going to look back in a couple of years. And it's going to be a different kind of thinking about this Ohio State offense where we go, Ryan Day, how did you not – you couldn't even get to the championship game with C.J. Stroud throwing to yeah, – Smith and Jigba was out, but you still had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Double E. I, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Yep, good call. Um, you, I know you had injuries, but like you couldn't get to – even could, you can win one playoff game with you only got to one playoff game with that as your as your core. I, I think we're going to get to that in a couple of years because. So I I say all that to say that I do think TCU is is better than a lot of people realize. I do think they'll be able to make some plays against Georgia. But I think what you just experienced was the best offense in college football, the best passing game in college football, and. What you touched on, though, if, if TCU is going to give Georgia problems, it's going to be Max Duggan just having another one of those. The last, one of the lasting images of this season for me will be, and I know it's a surface injury. It's a wrestling injury. It's Max Duggan with the blood running off of his elbow in the, in the Big 12 championship game. We've all had that scrape. You can't right. feel that. Right. He, he was fine. But the image of his just blood just pouring down his arm while he's running downfield for a 50-yard first down, that's going to be a lasting image. Unless he has another one of those games, I just think Georgia's just got too much. Now, one question I have for you, Darnell Washington. You know I am the biggest Darnell Washington fan outside of the Georgia fan base. He's one of my favorite players on the planet just because he's just just a monster. But – how is he? Is he going to play? Or So everybody associated with the program is not talking about it. They're not saying he's not going to play. They're not saying he is going to play. Kirby won't answer any specific questions about injuries. You know, he said, he's you know, we're hopeful to have all our guys. Uh, how's Darnell doing? We're hopeful to have all our guys. I didn't know if that was like, I'm not announcing that Darnell's not playing. I'm going to make TCU prepare. Or if it's, yes, Darnell's playing, but I'm also not going to tell him that. Like, I'm going to have him run out there and maybe TCU didn't prepare as much as they should have, you know. Um, can I can I tell you a little story right now? Uh, yeah. Something that's just happened in the last couple hours. So, uh, Jeremy, to take you a little bit behind the curtain, was very patient with me. I thought I had some daddy duties tonight, but my wife's plans changed and somebody invited me to the Georgia basketball game tonight. And Georgia beat Auburn, and that was fun, and that was great. At halftime, uh, I'm out in the concourse, and who do I see but some six foot nine, huge man, uh, just hanging out with some other football players? And Darnell Washington's out there in the concourse. And as I, I was going to, I was going to ask him how his leg was. And as I was walking over there, somebody else did, and he said, "Man, you know, I, uh, I, I'm hoping I'll be able to play. I hope I'll be able to play." But I can tell you this: he's not limping at all. So. He's not running. I didn't see him run. I saw him walking around the concourse at Stegman, uh, but he was stopping and taking pictures for people. He did not have a boot on. He didn't have it wrapped, nothing like that. So I don't know what that means. I'm not saying he is playing, um, but that was interesting to me that 
you know, he, he, even he was pretty tight lipped about it, but he kind of had a little bit of a smile on his face. So, uh, who knows, you know, he, he, but he was not limping even a little bit. Jamie, I just, I just need you to know that when I post this, this episode (laughs) on, on the internet tomorrow, um, I'm going to say that we have breaking news about Darnell Washington. Well, that that is news. That's probably more news than anybody's going to get out of Kirby this week. And so, right. I mean, um, we are the only podcast that, until you have an episode, this is the only podcast that will have real news about Darnell Washington. But you said something interesting, and it's it's a totally. I'm not blaming Kirby because any coach would do this. Yeah. But what the heck is the plan for Darnell Washington? <laughs> like, what's TCU going to do? Oh, well, let's. We got the good thing. We've got this six nine safety. We're going to throw out there. Like what? What's who? What's the plan? I, I think it's actually a little bit of Kirby tipping his hand a little bit because I heard uh, former Georgia coach Jim Donnan break this down this week on one of the thousand podcasts he's been on. But he talked about the fact he's like it's going to sound crazy because with all of Georgia's players and you know maybe they don't have any they definitely don't have anybody elite like Marvin Harrison. Uh, Bowers is really really good. I'm not you know not respecting him, but they don't have that guy. But they have like so many seventy five percent of that guy, right? Right. And the the whole offense is built around the idea that there's options all over the field, and the system is throw to whoever's open Stetson. Like, don't force it to Bowers. And on the broadcast, they're talking about why why is Bowers not involved? It's because, well, other people are involved. Like, that's why Bowers isn't involved. They're doubling Bowers. Why would you throw it into double coverage? Um, but what Don had said that I thought was very interesting, he said, you wouldn't believe it, but we run the offense through Darnell Washington. Because when you can put him in there as the second tight end, the opposing defense cannot tell if it's a run play or a pass play. And in the past, when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. But I thought about it. He's an elite blocker. I mean, he's basically like having another tackle out there. And so you have to account for the fact that he could just be in there blocking. And and you can't. For 95% of the country, if he was your tackle, you'd be better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the point that he was making with that is that in the past, Georgia has run two tight ends constantly. But depending on who that second tight end was, you knew if it was a pass play or a running play because you had your your run blocking tight end. And then you had your, you know, that guy was usually, you know, big, but he wasn't making a lot of catches and stuff like that. So it, it was kind of a tell for the offense. Now, this is a little bit pre-Munkin, right? But like his point was that the he that Washington gives them so much versatility. It took the third quarter of that game for them to figure out what they were going to do without him in the game. And when they finally just opened it up, offensively and defensively, they were like, all right, CJ Stroud, send the house. If he beats us, he beats us, he's beating us anyway. You know, and then on the other side, they just opened it up. They they basically abandoned the running game. They didn't feel like they could run. So let's just go. And so I, I think it does matter, but I think Kirby playing it the way he's playing it is actually indicative of the fact that he knows uh, how different the offense will be if Darnell doesn't play. I mean, personally, I think if he's not playing, you'd be coy. If he is playing, go, well, yeah, he's playing. And frankly, I mean, this man's, you know, he's not under oath. Of course he's playing. Why wouldn't he play? Well, he left the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I guess I guess we're thinking for TCU, like, what's the, uh, what could they possibly game plan for 
if Darnell Washington's out there. I mean, I so would just we, want we, them to spend a few more days being scared of the man. Like, I'm scared of him anyway. I'm scared of him <laughs> if he's not playing. In fact, I might be more scared of him if he's not playing because he can just hit me now. <laughs> like, you know, like, he, he seems so nice. He was taking so many pictures with kids. He was being so patient and everything because, you know, he just didn't he didn't want to do all that. But uh, the one thing that would come out of Georgia's playbook, and they didn't run it against Ohio State, but I, I bring it up because I love the way you talk about it, is the cheat play. Now, they haven't run the cheat play quite as much this year without Jordan Davis, but they have it where Jalen Carter comes in there at at fullback and they still put Washington and two extra t- uh, tackles in there and they run the, the the unfair play that they were running last year with Jordan Davis. So um, if he's not there, I don't know that that is something that they're going to try on a goal line situation if they get in that situation against TCU. I want to see Darnell Washington tailback is what yeah. I want to see. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. You hand the ball off to him at the two, and he just lays down. Uh, he's halfway in the end zone. And he's in the end zone. I mean, I'm saying, like, he's five yards deep in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's – I mean, he just he just lays on back. He just lays on down. He's in there. I, I just – I'm always fascinated by him, and I want more of him. I want to see more Darnell Washington, and I, I feel like I've only got one more chance to see that. He's oh yeah absolutely and I mean he's he is genuinely the MVP of the offense because the entire scheme this year is based on that versatility that I was talking about earlier that that ability to just spread you out find there will be somebody open he's the key to that because they can also out of those sets just run the ball to some really solid running backs again we don't have like the Heisman Trophy kind of caliber running back. I don't even know if that exists anymore, but we don't have, you know, B. John Robinson, but we've got some really, really solid backs. And, you know, Kenny McIntosh, it, if not for that pesky 10-yard line, would have broken the longest run of the entire season uh, for a touchdown against Ohio State. He's had a great end of his season. You really got to watch out for those snipers in those, <laughs> in those indoor stadiums. So let's wrap it up with some predictions sure. uh, if, if you want to what's yeah. your feeling what's your prediction for this game I I think Georgia will win I think they will will pull away like if I told you they won by two touchdowns I think you'd be like oh yeah that's exactly what the the line is of course so basically it's just ho-hum that's what it is I don't think it will be like that I think the story of the game is going to be different than the outcome. Georgia's shown against Alabama in the national championship last year against Ohio State. They're prepared to play four hard quarters, not saying TCU isn't. I do think over the course of the game, the the ultimate difference is Georgia's defense might not be, you know, the elite team that they thought they were this year. TCU's defense, as hard as they play, you can get to them. And I think Georgia will get to them. And so, you know, kind of like what Clemson has done to teams – over the years, you just keep coming. You know, I think TCU is going to have a lot of moments. I think Duggan's going to have a really good game. I think Stead will throw an interception. <laughs> I think all of those things are going to happen. But at the end of the day, I do think Georgia will get it done. I don't have a score in mind, but I think that 10 to 14 point area, I think there's, you know, some basically a, a put it away touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of nervy moments, and I would not be surprised if it's, you know, 14 to 10 at halftime or something yeah. like that. You know, and, and, and you know, it's it's going to be a game. It is absolutely – if if we win by four touchdowns, I, I will be relieved, but I, I 
don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Duggan is a great player, and I think he's going to have a great game, and I think Georgia's going to have to play great to beat him. Yeah, I'm thinking 38-28 for Georgia. Um, but I think it's going to be – you know, you talked about the, the 2019 SEC championship game. I feel the same way about that, that year's national championship game. The internet tells me that Clemson only lost by 17 to LSU. <laughs> but it felt like 117. And I think that this is going to be a little bit closer version of that, where in the end you look and you go, oh, Georgia only won by 10. But where Georgia is in – some version of control all night. Similar, similar to the way um, Ohio State looked for most of that that uh, Peach Bowl, except I think Georgia will finish it. Where yeah. you look at the score and you're like, it's 11, but that's a big 11. Um, right. I, I think that's kind of what we're going to see on Monday. I, I think Kirby Smart's dream is a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, and then I think he is very – he will be very happy – to hand the ball off and limit the number of times that Max Duggan gets to touch the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and that would be the game plan. Georgia fans might not love that, but he's, you know, if they have a lead in the fourth quarter, he's not going to be throwing it around. He's going to rotate those backs out. And if it's a 13 play seven minute drive, he'll say that's perfect. <laughs> you Do it again. You cannot let Max Duggan have the ball in a one possession game in the fourth quarter. And I think Kirby smart knows that. Um, and so he'll take that 10-point lead. He'll take a 10-point win that maybe could have been a 20-point win before he'll allow that 10-point win to become a three-point loss. Yeah. So, Absolutely. anyway, I appreciate you coming on tonight, Jamie. I, I hope that you don't have too many nerves Monday night. I hope that you have a restful evening. <laughs> I do, um, too. <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, bud.